The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy. This is episode number 12, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. This is the podcast that takes a deep dive into the NFC East each and every week. And we'll give you an update here in the next few minutes on what's been going on with our friends in Dallas and Washington and New York. And I'll also have some thoughts on some of the big Eagles news that's come down over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours, including the Eagles bringing on another assistant coach, that of course being Marty Morninweg. We'll try and figure out exactly where he fits into what I think is becoming a pretty jumbled hierarchy there inside the Novacare complex, but uh, I'm sure they've got everything handled. I'm sure it's going to be just fine. So uh, before we uh, get rolling here, just want to remind you folks to make sure to check out the Bleeding Green Nation Apple podcast feed. And if you haven't left a five-star rating in a little while, go ahead and do that. Leave a five-star rating and a review and let us know what you think of this here fine podcast. Well, let's start off in the nation's capital. And uh, Washington has given offensive tackle Trent Williams permission to seek a trade. And a couple weeks ago, we talked to Mark Bullock uh, of the Athletic, and uh, we had been talking about the fact that new head coach Ron Rivera had opened up a line of dialogue with Williams, I, I think in the hopes of of trying to bring him back. But now it looks like as though the two sides are going to are gonna part ways. Uh, Williams uh, texted a reporter with the Washington Post, and um, he was asked whether or not he's done with the Redskins, and uh, Williams replied, yeah, pretty much. And so uh, it looks like uh, Washington is about to lose a very valuable member of the offensive line, a guy they didn't have last year anyway because they were in the middle of that contract dispute. And, of course, uh, Williams, uh, his issues with the medical staff not taking seriously a medical condition that later turned out to be kind of a, a rare form of uh, cancer that he was able to get under control and treated, and he's fine now. But, you know, Williams is a seven-time Pro Bowler. He, he's a really good player. And and according to uh, Cleveland.com, uh, which is a, uh, a Browns reporting website, they, they quoted one NFL talent evaluator who estimated that Williams has at least four Pro Bowl caliber seasons left in him. The Browns have the number 10 overall pick and could be interested in moving uh, to go out and get Trent Williams, which, of course, if Washington is offered the number 10 overall pick in the draft for Trent Williams, not only should they jump on it, they should help Williams pack and drive him to Cleveland. This is going to be a problem for the for the Eagles because if, if if the if the Redskins get the number 10 overall pick, they're going to be able to draft their defensive, their offensive tackle of the future with that one or 
They can, you know, they can use that and, and trade it for other pieces and fill so many holes on the team. But uh, one thing Cleveland could also do is send a starting caliber player over to Washington in addition to a, a lower round, like a second or a third round pick uh, in exchange for, for Trent Williams. So there's a couple different things that can happen here, but it's clear Washington has an asset that they are going to they're going to trade in and they're going to use that trade chip uh, to really get themselves something good here at, at, at draft time. And so uh, that's not great news for the Eagles. I mean, Trent Williams was basically a wasted asset last year, and the Eagles took advantage of that, beating Washington twice. Washington, of course, finished with the second-worst record in the NFL and have the number 2 overall pick. They also have about $61 million of salary cap room right now with Trent Williams on the team. If they trade Williams or cut him, that'll open up another $12.5 million. So then you're looking at about $73.5 million in cap space, which would allow Washington to do a whole lot of things this offseason. So it also looks like Rivera and guard Brandon Scherf have been talking about a new contract extension. Scherf is a free agent, but uh, if they can't agree to a long-term deal, one would think, and it seems as though Washington would be ready to put the franchise tag on him. So I know a lot of people have been talking about, or I've seen it in some circles uh, that uh, Eagles fans talking about uh, the birds maybe going out and trying to to sign Scherf instead of going out and, and signing somebody like Byron Jones. But uh, Scherf is probably going to be franchised by Washington and, and, and won't be available. So big changes coming in Washington. We all knew that that was going to be the case as that team goes through a rebuild. And man, if, if they land uh, the number 10 overall pick for Trent Williams, that would be a coup for them. And uh, sure, Trent Williams would not be playing for Washington, so the Eagles wouldn't have to worry about him, but it certainly would load up Washington with either draft picks or with tons of cap space that they'd be able to go out and improve the team a lot here this offseason. All right, let's move to New York and let's talk about the Giants, who've been pretty quiet this offseason. The Giants... Their offense really came around at the end of last year, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to somebody uh, about the Giants next week. Haven't figured out exactly who that's gonna be just yet, but uh, they've had a pretty quiet offseason so far. They obviously had a little bit better of a season than Washington did, although they're still gonna be in the middle of their rebuild next year. But uh, Daniel Jones really showed something at quarterback. You can see they've got some skill position players. They were a tough beat for the Eagles this year, even though the Eagles did manage to beat them twice. SNY is reporting that. Free agent defensive end Jadavian Clowney has the Giants on his wish list. Clowney would like to play for New York. And he here's the thing. Could be looking at a contract that pays him well over $20 million. So the, the SNY article was saying something in the lines of 22 to $23 million a season in free agency. You'd think a number like that would probably be out of the Giants' price range. Even though they do have a lot of cap space, they've got about $75 million in cap space this offseason. So they and Washington both have a ton of money to throw around. They could go after Jadavian Clowney. Marcus Golden, their their incumbent defensive end, is a free agent. If they choose not to re-sign Golden, they could use some of that money that they would put towards Golden to go out and get Jadavian Clowney. Now, Golden had 10 sacks a year ago. He's a quality player. He'd probably cost about half of what Clowney would. You'd probably get him for about... You know, $10 million a year, $11 million a year, something like that. Uh, another player that's been linked to the Giants is Kyle Van Noy of the Patriots, who had six and a half sacks a year ago. Most of the really good defensive end free agents are probably going to be franchised by the teams, with the exception of Clowney. It doesn't sound like Seattle is ready to do that for him. So you could go, if the Giants wanted to save a little bit of cash and spread it around a little bit, they could re-sign Golden, uh, or they could go sign Kyle Van Noy, and, and you're not getting... Here's the thing. You might be getting more production than you got out of Clowney. Clowney had three sacks this year, 
as much as we talk about him and as obviously as much as he is public enemy number one in Philadelphia right now because of the cheap shot that he laid on on uh, on Carson Wentz in the playoff game was not off the charts in 2019. He only had three sacks for the Seahawks last year. He had nine sacks for the Texans in 2018. Now, we know he's disruptive. I mean, Clowney is disruptive. We, we saw it in the playoff game. And I got to tell you, I don't want to see him in New York. I don't want I don't want him lining up twice a year against the Eagles, but it would be interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, can you imagine Clowney playing in New York, playing against the Eagles twice a year after what just happened in the playoff game? He would easily be the most hated divisional opponent in the league. I'm trying to think of the last divisional opponent that would probably have been as hated as Clowney. Uh, Michael Strahan, maybe? Uh, you know, going back before that, certainly Deion Sanders and Michael Irvin would qualify as as hated divisional rivals. But the divisional rivals, as I wrote about uh, earlier this year for Bleeding Green Nation, the divisional rivalry right now is is really not there. I mean, I guess if, I, I guess, I mean, do we hate Ezekiel Elliott? Right now, I, I think he, nobody really likes him, but I don't know that I would say Eagles fans hate Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, listen, as Eagles fans, we hate all the Cowboys, but you know, we really hate all the Giants and we hate all the Washington players too. There's, there's, I don't know that there's a whole lot of extra animus directed at any Cowboys players right now, uh, any more so than there are at the the Giants or the Redskins. Just, I mean, the Cowboys are better, so we've kind of focused on that rivalry at the moment. But I don't think anybody, I don't. I'll put it to you this way. The level of hate Eagles fans have towards Jadavian Clowney right now doesn't compare to the level of hate they have towards anybody else in the division at the moment. Jadavian Clowney would change all that for sure, and he would make he would easily become the most hated divisional rival. I think probably since Strahan, who I hated, you know, and I know Giants fans hated John Runyon because of that that, that battle year in and year out. It would be fascinating to see him come to New York. I sure as hell don't want it to happen, and it doesn't sound as if it's going to happen. That $22, $23 million price tag per season is likely going to price him out of the Giants' plans. All right, moving on to Dallas. Free agent wide receiver Amari Cooper spoke with 105.3 The Fan this week and uh, had some interesting things to say. And I know the Eagles have a need at wide receiver. They have a need for a game-changing wide receiver, but there's absolutely no buzz about Amari Cooper in Philadelphia, and I don't think the Eagles are wanting to dump that kind of money into the wide receiver position. They've already got a ton of money uh, going to Deshaun Jackson. No matter what they do with Alshon Jeffrey, whether they keep him, whether they cut him, or whether they trade him, they're still going to be dumping a lot of money into Alshon Jeffrey. So you're already paying basically two starting wide receivers money right there to those two guys, one of whom probably isn't going to be on the team next year, and another one who is we're going to hear from in just a little while is a big question mark. So I don't think they're going to dump big-time money into Amari Cooper but it doesn't sound like Dallas is ready to use the franchise tag on Cooper. They are probably going to use the franchise tag on Dak Prescott, which makes more sense. It's going to be harder to come to a deal with Dak, given how I think he's perceived by Dallas as a really good quarterback. But do you want to make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL? Um, now, listen, if you're Danny Cannell, you do. I mean, Danny Cannell tweeted uh, this, I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday of this week, that just to prove my point, Dak Prescott has outperformed Carson Wentz in virtually every category, plus Dak has never missed a game. No one had any issue when Philly paid Wentz. What's the holdup with Dak? Amen, Danny Cannell. Dallas, you should absolutely pay Dak Prescott $35 million a year. You know, no, 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 no. That would be disrespectful to Dak Prescott. $40 million a year, Dallas. Step up. He's better than Carson Wentz. Has been since the day he got in the league. 
Pay the man, make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. You won't regret it for a single second. Listen to Danny Cannell. He really knows what he's talking about. So if we're talking about giving Dak Prescott the franchise tag, it's obviously not going to Amari Cooper. And so they're going to have to come to some kind of a free agent deal here. They're going to have to sign him to a free agent contract. And it sounds as though Amari Cooper desperately wants to stay in Dallas. You wonder if he'd take a hometown discount to do that. But it doesn't sound from the interview like Cooper wants to leave Dallas in the first place. I love everything about it. I was just thinking about that today. I think about it almost every day, really. Um, you know, just primetime games. I play what seems like more night games than anybody, and that always feels good to a football player. Um, you know, everything, the facility, I love it here. Frisco, I stay at now. Um just the aura of being a Dallas Cowboy. I mean, you can't beat it. So uh, I, I want to be a Dallas Cowboy for life. And then a little bit later on in the interview, one of the things that I talked about with RJ Ochoa last week on Eye on the Enemy was the was the home road splits for Cooper. He was much better at home, far more productive at AT&T Stadium than he was away from home. And he had an explanation. He was asked about that and had an explanation for the home road splits. If you look at the numbers, home versus away, you know, obviously I, I perform better at home. That's, that's evident. But I have a lot more targets at, at home, you know. Um, play the same amount of games away as I did um, at home, and the, the, the targets are probably more than double what they are away. And so I, I don't know why it's like that, but I think if I had the same amount of targets in away games, it would be it, it would be a no-brainer that I would perform the same way. I mean, it's just like we're still on the football field. It's just in a different state, you know. It's, really no different. And Ochoa noted on Twitter that um, the numbers kind of bear that out. His targets at home, he had 67 targets at home, only 52 targets on the road. And yes, he did play the same number of games at home and away in 2019. So interesting that he wasn't targeted quite as much on the road as he was at home. Now, is is that a matter of Amari Cooper not getting as open on the road? Did we not see as much effort from Amari Cooper when he was away from home, enough energy that it made it impossible for, for him to be targeted that many times? Or is that on Dak Prescott? Very interesting, but uh, Cooper did note about the, about the targets and no, you're never really sure exactly, especially with two guys like Dak and Amari, unless you go down and you break the game film down of every single play. It's really kind of hard to tell from from 30,000 feet. But uh, certainly an interesting explanation from Cooper about the targets and the home road splits there. Either way, it definitely sounds like he wants to stay in Dallas, that he wants to sign a long term deal with the Cowboys. And my guess is that the Cowboys are going to make that happen and re-sign their star wide receiver that they gave up a first round pick for two years ago. And finally, one last point about Dak Prescott. Coach Mike McCarthy was asked at the Combine if Dak is a franchise QB. McCarthy seems to be on board. Dak Prescott? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's 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 exactly where we want to be uh, with Dak. I think what he's done uh, to this point, you know, speaks to itself. I mean, and really Dak is in a, he's in a business situation right now. I've, I've gone through this as a head coach with a number of my players in the past. And I think like you know, like anything, it's just time to be patient and, and let the let the business uh, people work out the business matter, and, and that's really where that's really where we are as an organization, <coughs> and that's where Dak is in his personal flight to, to get to get a contract done. So yes, absolutely, back up that Brinks truck and give uh, give Dak Prescott all the money that you have, and I worry that you're hearing, give him a lot of money. What we're saying is give him all of the money that you have. And I hope you all understand. Um, 
Yeah, and listen, Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He's beaten the Eagles a number of times. I think Dak is a good quarterback. But to make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, yes, it's the cost of doing business. It's the cost of not getting it done last year before Carson Wentz and Jared Goff signed their deals. You waited. You didn't pull the trigger then. And Dak, if he was just saying, I'm not going to take anything less than $35 million a year and decided to bet on himself, smart move. Because even though he didn't make the playoffs, even though he struggled down the stretch, he knows the Cowboys don't really have any other option. What are they going to do, start over? Are they going to take a quarterback in the first or second round of the draft? Are they going to go out and sign Nick Foles or trade for Nick Foles? They could, I guess. They could, they could do that. They could go out and sign Tom Brady. Yeah, they could They could turn the keys over to Marcus Mariota or Teddy Bridgewater. Sure, they could do that. Make a trade for Matthew Stafford. Sure, they could do that. And maybe that's the smart move. Because if you don't really believe in Dak Prescott as your franchise quarterback, you can't make him the highest paid quarterback in football. But he's probably shown enough to, to earn the contract extension. It's just, you know, they had no leverage over him apparently. And now they are stuck. They are stuck. It's going to be like a Kirk Cousins situation all over again with Washington. He's going to play the last year of that deal on the franchise tag, and then you could very well see him leave in free agency. Here's a prediction. I'll bet you see the Cowboys take a quarterback in the in the third round or fourth round this year as a developmental guy. Wouldn't surprise me at all if they take, and that will, that will be a, an indication for sure to Dak that they're going to play him on the franchise tag and then choose to let him go. You know, financially speaking, if you're trying to build a team and you don't want to give all the money to the quarterback and you want to be able to spread that money around, that's that might not be the worst idea in the world if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you don't truly believe that Dak Prescott is your starting Super Bowl, is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the latest Eagles news, uh, especially talking about the hiring of Marty Morninweg uh, back with the team. We'll do that next here on Eye on the Enemy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy. I think the Eagles surprised a lot of folks this week when they went out and rehired Marty Morninweg to join the offensive staff. I think it's very interesting that he wasn't among the initial round of hires when the Eagles were searching for a new offensive coordinator a few weeks ago. Uh, I know that uh, Brandon Lee Gowton uh, mentioned him in a post for Bleeding Green Nation when they were talking about, when we were all talking about potential candidates. And at the time, it didn't seem like the ideal fit in the world because Mornenweg would not be able to call plays. But here he is, coming back to the team as a senior offensive consultant. For those of you who don't remember Mornenweg's first stint with the team, uh, he started off with uh, the Eagles in 2003 under kind of a similar title with Andy Reid. He eventually was here for seven years as the Eagles offensive coordinator under under Big Red. Uh, he's uh, also served as the offensive coordinator in recent years with the Jets and the Ravens. Uh, he left Baltimore after the 2018 season. He had the Ravens as the 13th best offense in 2018, uh, but we all know la- we all know last year how explosive the Ravens offense became when they went to Lamar Jackson full time and uh, Marty Morningweg had left, becoming the number one offense in the NFL. Now, 
Mordenweg had Joe Flacco, an aging, decrepit, slowly decomposing Joe Flacco as his starting quarterback for the first half of the 2018 season. So maybe it's impressive that the Ravens were the 13th best offense in football with an aging Joe Flacco and a rookie in Lamar Jackson who was still pretty raw at the time. Either way, he's coming back to Philadelphia. And I really wonder what this means as far as the coaching staff flowchart. I I mentioned on Twitter that the coaching staff flowchart is very much up in the air as far as I can see. They're not laying it all out for us. We know all these guys have different titles. We're getting some idea of what each guy's responsibility will be. But I'm fascinated as to what the organizational flowchart is. Who answers to who? Obviously, everybody's going to answer to Doug Peterson. He's the alpha. There is no offensive coordinator. So Doug's going to coordinate the offense, essentially. As the main guy. And so here you have Doug Peterson, who's going to be calling all the plays, and he's got all of these voices underneath him. I kind of equate it to a blind man trying to drive in a traffic circle. I have no idea. Normally, you'd like to see a nice, organized flowchart. A reports to B, B reports to C, who reports to D. And here are all the different responsibilities you have. Maybe that's how they how they flesh it out. They, They may be making all of these hires with the intention of doing all that at a later date. It is interesting. Because it, there are a lot of voices now in the locker room, and we were we were asking for the for the Eagles to go out and bring in outside voices, and and they did that. They they let Mike Groh go uh, back in January. They promoted Press Taylor to passing game coordinator. Uh, Jeff Stoutland remains the running game coordinator. They brought in senior offensive consultant uh, from Denver, Rich Scangarello, who was the offensive coordinator there. You've also got not so you have Press Taylor, who's the passing game coordinator. And you have Andrew Briner, who's the passing game analyst. I'm very curious as to the exact differences in those jobs. I'm sure there are differences. And I would, you know, we're going to dive into that stuff here as the offseason goes on. I know Kisten Solak has, I'm sure, talked about it some. But as you get into the regular season, you know, as the sausage starts getting made, it's going to be very interesting to see how all this works out. And of course, there's a worry. Are there too many voices now? Morningweek comes in. He speaks a lot of the same language as Doug Peterson. They'd worked together in the past when they were both with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, They both speak West Coast offensees. Uh, So Marty Mordenweg knows the kind of things that Doug Peterson wants to do. So in that way, there's a lot of familiarity. You just wonder, how does Marty fit in with Scangarello? How does he fit in with Briner, with Press Taylor, with Jeff Stoutland? It's going to be fascinating to see how this all works out. At the end of the day, however the flow chart works out, What's really going to matter is who's on the field. Are the Phillies going to get enough playmakers on the field, especially at the wide receiver position, to stop this offense from being a, a, a basically a red zone offense 24-7? Because I like 12 personnel. I think the Eagles have a lot of matchup advantages in 12 personnel, but when that's really all you're running and you don't have any speed on the outside, it becomes a really hard offense to watch, which makes the next thing we're going to talk about really important, and that's we have a Deshaun Jackson update. He was interviewed by Ty Floyd of Bar None Media from the sidelines of an XFL game in Tampa. He talked about his recovery, and I thought I'd play the whole two-minute interview for you. Here you go. Now that you're rehabilitated, how does it feel to be back on the field? Oh, it feels good. Um, been able to have like three months to kind of you know, uh, train and, uh, you know, build, do rehab and stuff like that. So I feel like now I'm back at, uh, you know, 100%. So I've just been trying to train and, you know, take it day by day without resting and, uh, you know, getting back right. But I got a lot of time still on my hands, so I'm still, you know, preparing and uh, taking every step I can to get back to, you know, where I need to get. What kind of preparation? 
preparation do you plan to do before you hit that field? Ah, uh, man, just a, a lot of ab work. You know, it was unfortunate. Uh, you know, I, I suffered a core injury. So um, down in that area, you know, you got to build all the core muscles and, and kind of get the strength back and, uh, you know, doing, um, you know, a lot of single leg work, just the mobility stuff. So, uh, you know, I think I'll be back stronger than ever. <laughs> you posted on Instagram a few days ago, it's time to rewrite the record books. <laughs> it's time to rewrite those record books. And as the author of your own story, what do you plan to write in 2020? I'm just trying to shatter all the records that I still got that I haven't got yet. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jerry Rice still holds one of them. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough last year to, uh, you know, kind of get up there with Randy Moss. So, continuously going after the grace but at the same time being blessed to be in the position i'm at and uh you know taking nothing for granted going out there every day and uh you know being blessed and uh you know just putting in the work but i, I think the longevity is the thing in this league a lot of guys are not able to make it to you know where i'm at so i'm just blessed and continue to count my blessings but at the same time give a lot back to these young kids and let them know you know because a lot of these dudes when i first came to the league it was like in middle school and high school so it's a blessing to still be playing with them and just kind of give them encouragement and let them know the ins and outs of how to stay in the league a long time because they said the nfl is not for long so as long as you do everything right and uh you know prep prep yourself you, you can get there so obviously a very healthy Jackson would go a long way to the Eagles offense being more dynamic. But, you know, as we've said on all of the podcasts here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed over and over again, the Eagles absolutely cannot go into next season relying on the 33-year-old Jackson to be their only deep threat. We saw where that got them this year, and I don't think you're going to see that again next year. I, my target is Brashad Perryman. I wrote about that for Bleeding Green Nation a couple weeks ago. I put him on the outside along with Jackson. And then you look at uh, you, look, you look at a first-round pick uh, for a speedy wide receiver in the draft, of which there are a ton. Or you could go uh, second round. You might need to move back in the first round or pick up an early second-round pick in order to get the guy at the right value that you want. I'm not a big proponent of trading up unless you're just moving up two or three spots. But if you've got to jump up eight or nine spots, that's going to cost you a lot of draft capital, especially when you consider there are still a lot of really good options that you can draft in the 30s and 40s. So the Eagles can move back eight to 10 spots and probably still get somebody that they really want or even move into the second round and, and you know, target if they can move up in the second round. Maybe you get Penn, the, the kid Hamler from Penn State. You get you can get Rager. You know, you can get Jefferson. You can get one of those guys and not necessarily have to stay at the current spot in order to do it. There's going to be lots of options for them in the draft. They have to grab one of those guys in the first or second round of the draft. And if you can do all that, it doesn't make the issues with the coaching staff quite as problematic because then I think what the Eagles originally wanted to do last year, which is stretch the field a little bit, suddenly all that opens up. And what Doug wants to do, what Marty wants to do, what Press wants to do, all these guys you know, a lot of those issues inside inside the uh, the Novacare complex with who's reporting to who and who's doing what, everything becomes a lot easier if you have Deshaun Jackson on the outside and you you fill your other wide receiver needs in free agency or in the draft. Finally, I did want to say one thing on the Andre Dillard thing, and I know Kist and Solak have talked about it a lot. Jimmy and BLG put a pin in it really nicely in the latest BGN radio episode. If you haven't checked that out, make sure that you do that. But I just want to mention one thing. Yes, I don't think it's a lock that Jason Peters is going to leave, even though they have said seemingly goodbye. The door is left open for Jason Peters to come back. And if, if there's not a team out there that he's really interested in joining, remember, this is a guy who's been in Philadelphia for a long time. There's probably going to be a contender or two that needs a left tackle that will pay him what he wants. But if the only teams that are willing to offer him big money 
are losing teams. I don't think Jason Peters is going to go to a losing team. He's going to want to go to a Super Bowl contender. And there probably will be a guy like that out there who will pay him the money. But regardless of what happens with Jason Peters, I think it's really interesting what you haven't heard the Eagles say about Andre Dillard. I'm going to quote for you what Doug Peterson said at the Combine about Andre Dillard. He said, When it comes down to it, it's either JP or it's Andre at left tackle. That's a decision we have to make. Andre was the guy we selected. He was our top pick a year ago. We feel like he has a bright future. That's where the fine line comes in. We have to have some difficult conversations, not just us internally, but also with the players. That is not a ringing endorsement of Andre Dillard. And what you have not heard him say, and what you have not heard Howie Roseman say, is Andre Dillard is a franchise left tackle. He was our first round pick, and we feel he is the future at the position. We're excited about Andre Dillard and ready to roll with him in 2020 and beyond. When you move up in the draft to select an offensive tackle, and you're, you know that the Eagles' plan was for him to replace Jason Peters starting in 2020, for him to learn under Peters for a year, and then at 25 years old, old for a second-year player, for him to become the starting left tackle. That was the plan. Don't let anybody tell you any differently. They obviously saw things in Andre Dillard last year that they didn't like. I thought Andre Dillard played pretty well. I know PFF didn't grade him that well in his first couple games. I thought he really bounced back nicely in his third game before they moved him over to right tackle. Listen, the crying in, tra- in training camp, and apparently there have been other issues of that throughout the season, is, is not great. It's not great. I don't know what the hell's going on with that. Uh, the fact that he basically psyched himself out before even taking the field uh, against Seattle to play right tackle also doesn't speak really well for him. So, sure, I can understand why there might be some some hesitancy, which is why I don't think people should count out the fact that Andre Dillard could be used in a trade to try and get rid of uh, Alsh- Alshon Jeffrey. That's why I don't think it's crazy to think Andre Dillard is not this team's left tackle of the future, because you haven't heard anyone on the Eagles say that. No one on the Eagles has said, Andre Dillard is our left tackle of the future. He's a franchise left tackle. That's why we traded up in the first round to get him last year. He's the guy that we are hitching our wagons to. He's going to be a great player in the NFL. I think it's damning that no one has said that about him yet. And I don't know what he has to do here in the, during the offseason or in year number two, because I don't think Jason Peters is going to be back. But it's pretty clear, to me anyway, that Andre Dillard still has a long way to go in the eyes of the coaching staff in order to cement himself as the left tackle of the future. And I think it's very interesting you have not heard the Eagles say anything remotely like that about Dillard so far here in the offseason, especially since these Jason Peters rumors really started picking up steam. Folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Make sure, if you haven't already, to check out all the other fine podcasts that have come out this week from the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And, uh, of course, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Tell a friend about the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And, again, the five-star ratings and the reviews go a long way to helping keep us in the top 200 in the Apple Podcast Sports Rankings. We've been there basically all off-season. Thank you so much for that. Your ratings and your reviews help keep us there, as well as your downloads, plays, listens, all that good stuff. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. P-G-N. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.